Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blenderhead, Blender HD. Follow me there on Twitter. And it's Casual Friday, which means you get to ask casual questions if you want. I mean, you can, it, it's the same thing. We just call it Casual Fridays because it's Fridays, but it's the same thing. I'll take a look at results, DB, from yesterday. See what happened on that six-game slate. I, I broke even, right? The Braves, the the... The Cardinals pitcher is walking, they're walking runs in. And as, as each run comes in, I'm money, right? Like I'm up like a thousand bucks. And then it's like, nope, this guy's going to walk in. That guy's going to walk in. And then my number goes down and down and down. I think I made 40 bucks or something by the end of that. Right. So we'll take a look at that. We'll, we'll take a first look, I guess, at today's uh, MLB slate, uh, 14 gamer. Uh, it's Friday. So uh, I'll share the, the MMA stuff. Right. Some people like that. Some people, some people don't, but whatever. They're like, what is this? Is it, it's a DFS show. Nothing to do. It's not just baseball because baseball's going on. It was basketball before it's whatever. The preseason stuff happened yesterday. Right. I didn't, I didn't play that, that hall of fame slate. Uh, but people were tilting that the Steelers were playing their starters for like the first three drives. Uh, so I don't know. Did anyone win that? I don't know. I don't know what happened in the showdown slate there. Defense, defense, quarterback, 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 something like that. That should have been your cash lineup. Hopefully that one won it for you. Uh, but uh, as always, give me those thumbs ups, thummy, thummy thumbs. If you're in the chat, the YouTube chat, I see you guys there. Suki Singh, he's, he's typically first. Daniel Hutchins, who, who won 100K like two days ago, right? right he, he should be doing this show at, the, at this point, right? Matt Mears, uh, Brian C., Michael Dompier, Hog Lawrence, who was up there. To, hey, we, my audience is more successful than I am, apparently. Apparently, this this MLB season, right? I just have a bunch of steak knives. You guys actually actually took down some stuff, right? I got second place in 8,000 fucking top, top eights and top 20s and whatever, right? You guys can't take first, second, third. I get like one, like, like steak knives and... And you know, I get, get play China. I got nice China, right? In in the cat in the cupboards or anything like that. But but nothing. But no first place finishes. But I see you guys in there. Uh, Michael Dompey says for yesterday's afternoon slate, I used the process from this from this show to make six lineups in like ten minutes. I finished first, second, and last in the four seamer. Basically, steak knives, but it worked. If you for a first in the in the four seamer. That's like for the early set. That's probably what two thousand bucks or something, right? That's probably something. Yeah, Hog Lawrence got the steak knives last night. I saw that, right? If, we t- if I took a look at the, you came in like sixth or something, in the bat flip, right? Yeah, sixth, right? I saw that twenty two fifty. That's that. That's that's a little bit better than steak knives, but still, look at this pay. Look at the payout curve. That's that's the point. I've come in like in this range like like twenty times this year. Mostly on FanDuel. Some because I, I don't play the bat flip when it's like an $18 contest. But on FanDuel, I've come in like, and FanDuel's even worse because this, this is like 500 bucks. And it's like 30,000 a first. And like by the time you get here, it's like $300. All right. So I've won a lot of those. So that, that's the steak knives, right? This, this range right here, like, like, like sixth to 20th is the steak knives range. Where it's like, great. Like you, you need, you need like a tie, you need top three to like make something, make, make something, anything. But yesterday's slate was, uh, I, I mostly, I got, I got somewhat right. I got mostly right. 
I wanted to show, go back to the slate. Where's the ownership tab? I hope it saves. No, it, do, it, no, it doesn't save. I wish it did save. So I have to do this all over again. I wanted to show the difference. Like yesterday, I, play, I played like 10 lineups. I played like 10 lineups yesterday. But in the single entry, I want to show you the point in why I play contrarian, why I play contrarian in a single entry. Okay, so in single, I'll, I'll, I'll do I'll do this I'll do this in a second. Okay, so let's go to the battery. I'll show you my lineup. Okay, it was close. It was uh, yeah here eighteenth. Right, this is what I mean by I was I was losing money by the I was in like fifth place or something sixth place uh, towards the end of the slate and like I'm just losing money to people with Braves in their lineup. Right. So here, here's, this is the lineup that I played in single. We have a lot of single entry players. And, and some people think that like the, the strategies that I talk about and the concepts I talk about don't apply to single entry because I'm talking about people that play hundred lineups, right? And I show you using the lineup HQ and I'm going to build five lineups here and 20 lineups there, but it's, it's the same concepts no matter what. So you see here, this is my single entry lineup. Now, most people think single entry, oh, I don't have to, I, I could play, I could play to chalk, right? But the thing is that the chalk gets, even more chalkier in single entry. Okay, so in this in this battery, we take a look at the ownership. Sonny Gray, 56% owned. Tuki Toussaint, 51% owned. Okay, Valdez, 35. Then we have Castellanos, 34. We have Diaz, 33. Solaire, 29. Swanson. So we see, look at, look at the Braves. We got the Braves. We got Astros. We got Red. Pretty much that's the chalk as far as, and, and Gray, Toussaint, or Valdez, some kind of combination of that, right? So knowing this, it's like, okay, typically in single entry, I'm more inclined to, if I'm, I'm playing a stack, I'm not going to play a chalk stack. Doesn't mean I'm going to play like completely off the board, but I'm not going to play the chalk. I'm not going to not going to play a red stack, like as a five man. I'm not going to play a red stack, not going to play a brave stack, not going to play a... Astro stack. And I'm probably not going to play one of one of the top owned pitchers. And that's how I'm going to get different. Now, the better way to get different is obviously if you're going to play, play, choose a stack, play it against one of the higher owned pitchers, especially since it's only a six game slate. Now, according to my, according to uh, uh, the bat projections plus slate IQ, the hot, the hot, the highest differential between winning, the winning percentage, and and ownership was going to be the Cardinals. That that's that's why I had it calculated as. So the Cardinals were the most plus EV stack. They weren't the most probable to be the winning stack, but they were the most plus EV stack. And especially now, they're going to be against a chalky Tuki Toussaint. So I'm like, I'm going to play the Cardinals in single entry. Obviously, I'm not going to play Toussaint in that lineup, right? So that's the reason why my lineup looked like this. I'm gonna most likely gonna play 5-3, so I just have to get two teams right. Occasionally I'll play 5-2-1 if something doesn't fit and I can't do anything about it. So here is my lineup. The St. Louis stack, We're using the catcher, especially. So I'm playing the main pieces, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Andrew Knizner, and then being that I'm playing Rush Stripling at 15%, Valdez Stripling, right? I'm not even playing Gray in this lineup. 
Like I could play, I could play the chalk Cincinnati pieces, right? They were the highest projected team yesterday in the bat. So I'm like, I already have enough. I already have enough leverage. I didn't think they would be this low owned. I thought the Cardinals would be like 5% owned total. No ag in the, you know, average. So I'm like, okay, what fits? India, Farmer, Castellanos, who's underpriced at 3,700. Done. There you go. 5-3. But this is, if you look at these percentages, you go, wow, this is, this is really contrarian. Wow, this, this is something you'd play in large field. Like, no, this is something you play in small field. One direct path to leverage. Just easy. Just can can the Cardinals beat up Tuki Toussaint? I could win this country contest if that happens. I'm going to kill 50% of the lineups in this contest because I know where it's going to go. That, that this, is, this is what I mean by single entry, being contrarian, because you know where to go. We take a look at the, the ownership, what I was going to bring up before. I wish this thing saved. I never really knew that, that you can't come back to the screen and it looks and it, and it has all the stuff here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up the, the, the battery, that single entry contest. I'm going to put up the, the, the medium, whatever contest. And I'm going to put up the bat flip, right? Or something like that. Now look at, look at the difference in Tuki Toussaint. Look at the difference in Sonny Gray. Like they're more owned. I mean, I show you, I show you this all the time. The chalk is chalkier. Instead of being 51%, he's six for Gray. Toussaint is a difference between 40 and 51 Right, which means obviously if Tuki Toussaint is more owned in the battery than the bat flip, like we get get rid of this right here, let's make it even easier. That means the Cardinals are going to be the Cardinals will be more owned in the bat flip. I mean, not by much. But we take a look at some of these Cardinals players, like we look at Arenado. I mean, look at this. You get half half as owned in the single entry, right? Goldschmidt, right? Half is owned. I mean, it's still fine that he's 3% owned in the bat flip. You can still play in the bat flip, but you get more You get more relative value now in the single entry. I mean, look at Knizner who hit that home run, first of the year. Like, no one's playing him in this single entry contest, right? We take a look at Tyler O'Neill, right? 6% in the bat flip, 2.8 in the single entry. Because what ends up happening... When it comes to single entry contests, these or the smaller field stuff versus the larger field, is that ownership moves from this to this. It it spreads it spreads sideways. The chalk gets chalkier, but also the the low owned players get even more low owned. Right? It's not nothing bunches. When when it comes to large field, the stuff starts bunching up more because people are more cognizant of that. They're more cognizant of, well, should I play, should I play chalk Jorge Soler? Well, I'm going to get different elsewhere. But in single entry in the small field stuff, people don't think enough that way. They go, oh, I don't have to get as different. I'm going to get different in two spots and that's it. Right? So you still see all of the, all of this, this ownership getting condensed. Look at, look at, look at all the players that are 20, sort by the battery. 20 plus percent owned is all the way up here. Here, I mean, look, Ledmus Diaz was only 20% owned in the bat flip. 33% in the single entry with a zero. Castellanos, 23% in the bat flip. 34 in the single entry with a two. 
You would have gotten a two from anyone. If you faded Castellanos, you were fine. Obviously, I was playing him as part of a red stack because I already was playing 2% on Cardinals, so it didn't matter. George Springer, nothing. 20, 22% on well, both contests, actually. Then you take a look, look, at, look at Ross Stripling because Tukey Toussaint and Sonny Gray were getting much more ownership than the bat flip. That means... That means in my lineup, I'm playing Stripling. Ross Stripling was 21% owned in the bat flip, but lower owned in the single entry because I'm stacked. If I'm going to stack against Toussaint, then I need to find another pitcher. And I'm going to find a pitcher. Now I could have played Gray and Valdez, but I couldn't have fit the Reds in that lineup because now, now I'm spending way too much money, right? I would have to, I don't know what the hell I'm going to fit in the last three spots. So Stripling fit that bill, right? Save eleven hundred down from uh, from Valdez, from from Gray, or to five hundred from Gray, whatever. But it's a direct result, so that's why I played Ross Stripling because it makes sense that I'm avoiding the top two owned pitchers. If they both don't do well, I'm destroying so many lineups. It's an easier path. I think that's the better way of putting it. Find your path. What is the path to success? It's a 460 entry contest versus a, the bat flip, which is in, in the five figures, 30,000, who knows, whatever it is that day. Single entry, small field, it's much easier to just define a path. What needs to go, what needs to go my way in order for me to win? Because if you, let's say you played, for instance, let's say you played Gray, Toussaint, and the Mariners, which I, I had a bunch of, the Mariners number two in EV to me. They were not the highest probability at all. So let's say you go, I'm going to play Gray, Toussaint, the Mariners, and the Braves together. Right. You're gonna, okay, the, Ma- the Mariners off the board. I get. I give you that. Right. They're off the board, especially in single entry. Okay. The Braves, chalk. The Gray and Toussaint, chalk. Okay. So what needs to go your way? It's like the chalk, all the chalk needs to hit need to be the top the mariners need to be the top owned team the top the top scoring team like in my in my lineup the cardinals don't have to be the the, the top scoring team so un- understand the difference between that okay when you're playing the if you're playing chalk brave if you're playing toussaint and the braves toussaint gray and the braves and then your mariners are your difference maker well, there's going to be so many lineups that's great to Sant and the Braves. I mean, you're already playing. There's going to be five-man stacks of the Braves. You have a three-man or something because you have a five-man Mariners. So you're going to have lineups that you're going to compete, be competing. That Mariners lineup is going to be competing against a lot of other lineups if the rest of your lineup does well. If Gray puts up 25 points, if Toussaint puts up 25 points, if the Braves put up eight runs, and you have something, you know, you have Swanson and Riley or something in there and whoever, Solaire, like you're, share, you're sharing all those points with 56%, 51%, 29%, 27%. There's a lot of lineups up there that look like yours that don't have Mariners in it, okay? Now, now at that point, you're competing against, you know, you could be competing against 60 other lineups, 80 other lineups maybe even more, 100 out of the 460. They, they, they don't have Mariners. Maybe some of them have Mariners in them. 
They have a five-man Astros. Maybe they have it. Maybe it's a three-three-two. Maybe it's a messy lineup, right? But the only way for you to get from like 80th to first is do the Mariners put up eight plus runs, right? So you need the chalk to succeed, and you need your differentiator. Me, I don't need the Cardinals to put up eight plus runs. I just need, if you take a look at my lineup, what do I need, right? I need Gray to not be a top scorer. I don't need the the Pirates putting up eight plus runs. I don't need, right? I just need Gray to not be as good. I need, obviously, Toussaint to fail. And with Toussaint failing, I have Cardinals in my lineup. So that's directly negatively correlated to that. And then Cincinnati. And Cincinnati would try, okay, fine. If Cincinnati put up 12 runs in the five-man Cincinnati stack, that means I, if, the, if it turns out that the, the winning lineup is more of a five-man Reds, three-man Cardinals, then I end up coming in like fourth or fifth place, right? Because the, the, the Cincinnati stack beats me instead of the five-man Cardinal stack beats me, right? Because Gray already is dead and Toussaint's dead, right? So who am I, who am I, who am I fighting over? Who am I fighting with? Well, my path to victory is not, the, not each piece of the chalk. So those three things, for you, if you played the Braves plus Gray plus Toussaint, you need one, two, three things to go your way and then beat 60 to 80 other people with your Mariners stack. Me, I need two out of the three of those things to not work out. And the Cardinals to just put up enough runs that I get up there. Right? I don't need, I don't need, I don't need, right? I, I almost did it. I mean, literally almost did it. Yesterday. Right? With Stripling, the Cardinals, I, I had Castellanos with two points. I mean, until the Braves were walking a ton of people, I was sitting in, you know, the steak knives area, right? The steak knives area of, of the contest. You're trying to win the low scoring slates. I'm not trying to win the high scoring slates. So when the chalk hits, like if it turns out that the Braves, you know, go off for 12 runs on, you know, several home runs and Gray and Tucson do well, I just, I, I'm way at the bottom. I'm way at the bottom, just whatever. It's just whatever it is. But because the ownership tends to get more condensed and I could predict more likely where where that is going to condense makes it easier for me to, me to make decisions on where to leverage. I'm aiming for I'm aiming for first place. So like I'm not looking at cash. See, when it comes to the large field stuff, now you, now you don't have obviously Tucson is 40%. So I mean that's still worth backing against, right? Valdez. Now I played twins against Valdez, that didn't work out because the bottom of the order, I had Donaldson and Garver and Rooker and they, they didn't do anything. So no, there's a walk-in strikeout. There's still plus EV in, in, in the bat flip, just not as much as taking one of them. Like if you said, I want to play the Pirates in single entry. You could have done that. You could have done the same exact lineup, but in that lineup, you're probably playing Tucson. The difference is, is that the Pirates, like I'm looking at the sheet. The Pirates rejected way lower than the Cardinals. But you could do it. The Pirates would be nothing owned in single entry. But most people don't have the balls to do that. They go, oh, okay, well, I'm not, I only, I only have one lineup. Best lineup you can. Play the best lineup that has the best chance of winning first place. And you could visualize your hand building. 
you could visualize what do I need, what do I, what needs to happen for me to win first. And usually that involves at least one, two, or three pieces of the chalk failing. Because you don't want to play them. They're going to be overowned in the single entry contest. That fails, then what succeeds? And a lot of times one of these things has something directly negatively correlated to them, and you play that. You go, if Tucson fails, most likely some, you don't have to play a five-man Cardinal stack, but three-man Cardinal stack, whatever. The Cardinals most likely did well. If Gray fails, the Pirates did something. Someone on the Pirates, something. Something on the Pirates. If Valdez fails, something, something, Minnesota Twins. So that's the, to me, that's the easiest way to, to think of these smaller field single entry contests. Do you need to go in and run run a hundred lineups? You, you, you could run it looking at the ownership versus the projection. You, you, you could do that. You just visualize it yourself. Let's go through the YouTube chat. Uh, Daniel Hutchins says, so far for MLB, my Sims consistently show that the battery, which is the 121 single entry, has the most edge of any contest I have measured in terms of ROI. And I would agree with you. <laughs> well, the bat, the bat, well, maybe not at this point in the season, probably earlier in the season. The bat flip or the four seamer or whatever, the large field stuff always has people throwing in pretty bad lineups. Not like horrible lineups, they're just like min cash type lineups. But it's also August. So maybe like in April, April and May, in the beginning of the season, where there's been maybe some bad players haven't gone broke yet type of thing. But yeah, but the battery, yeah, because the the ownership gets so so convoluted. That that's why I play the ball f- ball fours uh, close to close to that also. Because people just throw in their top projected lineup or they throw in their cash lineup. Even worse, throwing in their cash lineup into that contest. And no, and they're just to me, I just I'll just take advantage of it. But I'm not looking to cash in that contest. I'm looking to win. I'm looking to come in, you know, top 10 at least, something like that. Uh, let's see. All right, Daniel Hutchins, you're absolutely correct. To be clear, ownership should be more condensed for a smaller contest like the battery with a flatter payout structure, but the field way, way overdoes it. Right. That's why I said you don't have to get nuts. You don't have to get nuts. You just just avoid the stuff that is way the way that is way over owned. Like this is a six game slate, so obviously there aren't that many choices. But like like I said with the battery, you could have played the Pittsburgh Pirates stack, five man Pittsburgh Pirates stack. You could have, but you didn't. Need, you don't even need to. You don't even need to do that. It's only a 460 entry contest with a flatter payout structure. So what I mean by flatter payout structure matters is that the difference between first and second is not that that you need to really shoot for first, right? The difference between first, second, third, fourth, we get these payout structures, which I like. It's 5,000, 4,000, 3,000, 2,500, 2,000, 1,500, 1,000, where, you know, the differences of three points towards the top Oh, I didn't win first place. I came in third for 3,000, right? And you're like, oh, instead of 5,000, I won 3,000. Yeah, but in another contest, sometimes it's 100,000, 40,000, 20,000. 
So the difference between first and third place is $80,000, right? When the content, when it's that heavy, that steep up there, you aim pirate stack all the way. Let's go. Let's play nutso lineups if we, if we were doing that. But when the difference between first and fifth, I mean, it's, it's, it's flat enough that one, a one point difference in, in ceiling or something, oh, you come in second, you get 4,000 instead of 5,000. So okay, but that's proportionally, that isn't that bad, right? It isn't that bad, but still it's way overdone, especially a pitcher. I mean, the pitchers, the pitchers yesterday did not all project like that greatly comparison to one another. There was no pit like between Gray, Toussaint, Valdez, Stripling, uh, even as a little bit. Uh, I was concerned more about the pitch count there. Like they didn't project that from a raw points perspective. Even Keuchel, Keuchel didn't project was not that dramatically lower than the other pitchers on this slate. That like they're interchangeable. Yes, Gray Gray projected higher raw point wise than the other ones, but not but not dramatically enough that he should be fifty six percent owned. So that's why the choice between Valdez and Gray seemed obvious to me. Given given I I could I could have played because I was I obviously stacking against Tucson, so I'm not playing him. I'm playing Stripling instead, and then one then I'm like okay, I could play Gray here. I don't need the leverage anymore. I got I got a two percent owned Cardinal stack against Tucson, but I'm like, how can this Gray outscore Valdez? That the the ownership because I was thinking I I mean I was thinking that the ownership on Gray in the in the one twenty one was going to be sixty to sixty five percent. I thought Valdez would be thirty. I thought it would be a two to one difference. I mean it was almost fifty six to thirty five. I thought it would be more like sixty to thirty. And based on the projections, the, the the gray projected, I think, two points higher than than Valdez. So that's like, that's not a two to one difference. So it's like, why not? Why not? Why not just dramatic EV by just playing Valdez here? I'm like, okay, I'll play Valdez instead of Gray, and there you go. I don't need to be perfect. See, those are the types of lineups where, as long as the chalk fails, you don't need to be perfect. You could win with Castellanos in two points, win first place, right? If Knizner hit another home run, if he had two home runs and I had a catcher at 1%, I could have I could have won it. I think I could have won it yesterday, possibly. But that with, with zero, with a two in my lineup, with a Dylan Carlson four, right? With with Arenado five in my lineup. Or seven, or whatever the hell he had. But that's the mentality shift that you need that you that you need to have. It extends to large field stuff, but your goal should should be to try to win the low scoring slates, not the high scoring ones. And the high scoring ones are when the, obviously the more people th- that have the players that do well, the higher the scores are. Right? If the truck if the truck does well, you're going to see high scores. It's easier to win when the truck fails, and you don't have to be perfect. When the truck succeeds, you have to be perfect. Right, of Gray Toussaint to the Brave Stack. It's like you know, where you, you needed you need Joey Gallo in you need you would have needed Joey Gallo in your lineup. He had thirty points. He was the highest scorer on the slate. When the truck fails, you wouldn't need Joey Gallo. I think was was what eight nine percent owned in the in the bat flip or something like that. 
It's possible he, he couldn't have not, not even been necessary. Probably at 9%, probably in the large field, in the small field. I don't, I'm not sure if he was necessary, necessary. Let's take a look. Where's the, like in the fence buster even. I mean, that's a 21 entry contest, right? But if we take a look at the fence, but it was a tw- 21 entry. Home run derby is $400 single entry. So let's take a look at the, I mean, look at the lineups that that people play here, like Brick. Stacked. I mean, here's a Joey, here's a, a Yankee stack with a zero from Rizzo with Lynch and Gray. And this is a 21 entry contest. You had Brian, Brian Brick 75. Look how contrarian kind of this is for a 21 entry contest, right? Because I don't know what people are playing. I can't see anything below this. Cincinnati, Houston. Got some Astros that are broken. Megalot. KCR. Tucson. Like you don't need to, you don't need to win with much in these contests. Let's take a look at the home run. I want to take a look at the because I wanted to take a look at the losing lineups. <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, look at these lines. Look, so someone won four thousand dollars with the in Atlanta five man and some, you know, stripling. Gra- I mean, it's not that dramatically different. But the main thing is what you're exploiting when you play contrarian. I'm using the air quotes because you're really not playing contrarian. You're playing, you're playing plus ROI. You're playing, you're playing knowing you're going to lose 90% of the time. Yet, if you play like this every day, you're going to bink a couple of times throughout the course of the season and be wildly profitable. Most people think in the other terms. I want to cash more often. I know. Fear of missing out. Ah, I gotta. Oh, I gotta play. I gotta play Castellanos. I gotta play Castellanos. I gotta play Gray. I got. I only have one lineup. So if I lose the hundred and twenty-one dollars, oh my god! Well, then you're playing above your bankroll if you're thinking that way. Right? If you're playing the one twenty-one, you should have at least ten thousand dollars in your bankroll. Represents what one point two percent? Right? I would say I'd say it should be more, but I mean at least ten thousand. So if you don't cash that, your bankroll goes from 10,000 to 9880, 98.79. So you don't have to think about like, oh, well, what happens if I lose? Well, then you got you, tomorrow's another day. By the 121, you make the same type of assessment and you do you do that thing. And take advantage of the people that are playing the, the 121 single the single entry in general that are playing too conservative. And it can that ownership. Just take advantage of it. I shouldn't tell you to take advantage of it because I'm already doing it. And more and more people that don't play the chalk in the single entry contest, that's good. My ROI goes down. But if you want to do it, do it. Do it with me. You could do it in a different way. You could have you could have decided yesterday to play the play the pirates. So you could have said, play, I'm gonna play the twins against Valdez. In the single, that would have been fine. 
right? Or you could have played the card. You could have done what I did, but only play a three-man stack or don't, or don't stack, play 4-3-1, play 3-3-2. I mean, it could, have been, it could have been a lot of different things. Okay, let's look through the YouTube chat. Uncrabby Cabby, hey, Jordan, I ended up with the Cincinnati Cleveland with Gray last night on FanDuel single entry. Okay, I don't, I don't know what the prices were on FanDuel. I think it was on the right track, just Cleveland three-man failed. Yeah, Cleveland was okay. Without Joe Ram in the lineup, that was a very weak lineup. That's why that's why I jammed Stripling more. Uh, but but the, Cleveland was really cheap on DraftKings. I did play, I, I think I played two Cleveland lineups. But I get it, just that, you know, that lineup is not good. Matt Mir says, in the battery, I ended up going with Cincy as my main stack because with as good as their projection was, I didn't think they would be owned enough with the other chalky teams, and you were correct. No, I agree with that. That that's why I didn't mind playing. Didn't mind playing the three man Reds. I was already committed to the to the the Cardinals. I would have played like a four four if that would have fit, right? I would have played four Cardinals, four uh, Reds, but that that didn't it didn't line up that way. Like I didn't want to play DeJong, so I'm playing Kyle Farmer, right? I mean, like like that's automatically in there. And then Stevenson, I believe, is overpriced for forty three hundred. Uh, so if like I'm playing Knizner and it just because he goes along with the stack, like it works out that way. And then first and third, I'm playing Car- I'm playing Goldschmidt and Arenado, not Votto and Suarez, right? I'm not doing that, right? So I, my my main priority was the Cardinals. So if, if I'm going to stack the Cardinals, I'm gonna, I'm going to have Goldie and and I'm going to have Goldie O'Neill and I'm going to have that heart of that order in in, in the lineup regardless. Robert Gall, welcome back. Oh, I haven't seen Robert in a while. I can't understand why the Cardinal stack was so low owned. I was shocked when the slate locked. The leverage was massive, right? And that, that's what you tried to take advantage of. I mean, I made money. I made money, didn't win, but I made money. But that Reyes guy for the Cardinals, he hits a guy and then walks four in a row. How is he a major league pitcher? It's not like the Braves did all that well. It's just that these two, three points, you know, the walk RBI, they're not even hitting the ball. Like I'm in, I'm in like seventh place or something, whatever it is. And then it's like, now I'm in 10th and now I'm in 12th and now I'm in 18th. And just on walks, just on walks. Okay. Do we have anything weather for, no, no, no. We don't really have any weather. It's had an easy job this week. There really hasn't been much weather to have. I mean, there's been weather. There's not, obviously we don't live in a vacuum. There's weather going on. But no, no rain chances. Is it a, is it a drought? Is there no rain going on in this? It's, we have a very large country and there's no rain. Or just it's just raining in places that don't play baseball. Okay. I guess so. I guess so. So we got that. Uh, what do we got going today? Take a look-see. Corbin Burns, Chris Bassett. And pitching Wainwright. Marquez in Colorado against Miami. Does Miami project well? Manoa? Oh, if Manoa's going to be chalk, I'm going to I'm gonna be stacking against him. Let's take a look. I'm just looking at preliminary. I mean, this is literally the first time I'm looking at it. Let's take a look at these stack projections. Tampa Bay on the top. The Marlins. The Marlins, okay. The, the Marlins come in point per dollar wise, but they're, they're up there, 89. Diamondbacks because they're so cheap. Angels because they're so cheap, I guess, down here. 
Marlins. What does their lineup look like? Where are the Marlins? Are they going to be owned? Brinson is their cleanup hitter. That's how bad their lineup is. Chisholm, Rojas, Aguiar, Brinson, Anderson, Alfaro, Sandy Leon. So Alfaro's playing the outfield now. Oh, God. Brian De La Cruz. They're cheap. You have a cleanup hitter in cores, batting for minimum price. Are they going to be owned? I'm assuming they're, they're going to have to be owned. It's a cheap team in cores. The Rays have the highest ceiling, but of course, not a great point for dollar value. So we may see low ownership on the Rays, the Braves, the Reds, maybe. I don't know. The Yankees. The Pirates are kind of up there with uh, Wade Miley. They're playing in Cincinnati, right? The Indians. Now there are places to go here. But teams like the, the Blue Jays. Like they may be over-owned. I'm just looking. I'm just looking through this. Just looking through, seeing what's going to happen. Let's take a look at. Uh, well, I'm assuming we're going to get Bassett in the optimal, the bat optimal, Burns Bassett, and yeah, not 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 a uh, not just Aguiar on on the on Miami. So not like nutso. Odar, Donaldson, Story, Hayes, Zimmer, Cruz, like a mix. So it's not even it's not even clear cut. It's not like shoving like Lewis Brinson into your lineup for cash games or something. It's not going to be. So maybe Miami isn't going to be as high owned. I mean, I don't think they're going to be ridiculously high owned, but I mean, they're going to be, it's, it's, a, it's a team in cores. What's the team total in Miami? Are they going to be the only ones that have less than a five team total in cores? Yeah, four, 4.25. Yeah, look at this total. It's going to be an under 10 in cores. Yeah, nine and a half. Course field. That's how bad these teams are. <laughs> and also, the pitchers are decent. Uh, the pitchers are good. Alcantara and Marquez are actually pretty good pitchers. And the Marlins and the Rockies batters are awful. I mean, these are these are bad teams. So maybe the will will cores go under on then? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. JB, how did the pros win on chalky days and the days where the chalk doesn't and the days where the chalk doesn't hit? But they. Because they're playing both types of lineups, right? In, in the large field stuff, like when I'm playing 150 lineups, I'm not like, like I wouldn't, I didn't fade to Toussaint. And like, even, even in the 10 lineups that I did play, I played Tuki in three out of my 10 lineups. Okay. So I, I hand built 10 lineups yesterday. Okay. Sort of pseudo hand built. I ran some stuff in lineup HQ, but then I, you know, entered them in uh, on my phone. I'm looking for one leverage, one let one leverage thing. So like Tukey could be in lineups, but just the Tukey lineups, you know, have a certain certain type types of things in them. So the same thing with the chalk. Like the like I played the Yankees today, right? I played the Reds. I played I played the Braves. I had I had I have what I had one I had one Braves lineup. Swanson, Albies, you know, whatever, Solaire. But in that lineup, I probably had Stripling. Instead of Gray, I probably had Tukey because that goes along with the with the Braves, and I probably had like Minnesota to stack against Valdez. So like a five man Atlanta with a three man Minnesota, or something something like that. So yeah, that's it. The Braves were chalky, right? 
But then in that in that type of lineup, you have a night night. Where do you find the leverage? Maybe I'm playing Cleveland. I don't play Stripling. Maybe I play Keichel in that lineup, and I'm playing a three man Indians in that lineup. This is the lineup. It's not players thing. This is why. If you, if you see me on Grinders Live or Crunch Time, I don't like doing those shows because people ask me, should I play this guy or that guy? It's like, well, it depends on your lineup. Play whoever you want. You could play whoever you want. It just depends on how do you build the lineup together? If yesterday you said, I want to play, I want to play Gray, Tukey, Braves, Reds. I'd say like, you shouldn't. And they go, well, aren't those the best teams to play? I go, yes, but that lineup as a whole has has no relative value. Like has a good min cash equity, but I mean, you need a, that's a high scoring slate type of lineup. Now you could play those teams, but just don't play like Braves. You're playing Gil Heredia. Like you could, now you could do it. Now you're playing Gil Heredia. Instead of playing Riley, you're playing Suarez batting eighth, right? You're playing Kevin Smith instead of Tyler Stevenson in that line, right? Like you could still play Braves plus Reds. Just like, don't play Castellanos, play, play, uh, 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 Naquin or something or you're playing Winker and you're not playing Castellanos in that lineup and then you're playing Daniel Lynch at pitcher and okay now you've made a Braves plus Reds lineup that is not the teams are both owned but that specific combination may not be as much but you have to find a, where are you getting leverage where are you getting relative value from so depending on you could you could play you could play a chalk stack don't play chalk stack with both chalk pitchers. And if you're going to do it with both chalk pitchers, don't play it with a chalk three-man. Find a three-man off the book. Pittsburgh, right? You don't play gray. You play Valdez, Valdez, Toussaint, Braves, and then stat, then the three-man Pittsburgh. Or one man, you play Polanco in the line. I mean, like, it, there's so many different ways that you could do it. So, like, the pros, when you play 150 lineups, are doing all of that, Right? I mean, I did it in 10 lineups. I mean, I'm playing lineup. I'm playing a Cardinal stack. And then in my next lineup, I'm playing Tukey Toussaint. It's diversification. Because that lineup, it's still the Toussaint lineup and the non-Toussaint, me stacking against the Cardinals lineup, could have similar expected values. Two different outcomes. But based on the probability of these lineups coming in first place, coming in high, are close to the same. But they require two different outcomes. So I want both outcomes. So that's in 150 lineups. That's that's what sharper players are doing. Now you can't you can't cover all the outcomes in 150 lineups at all. It's specifically like there's too many kind. There's weighted millions, millions upon millions of combinations, especially on a like a 14 game slate, billions combination. Uh, but that's what they're doing in 150 lineups. Yeah, they're playing brave stack. How do I build? How do I build lineups that have enough leverage with a brave stack? How do I build enough lineups with whatever? I mean, like I could play on a six game slate. If I was playing 150 lineups yesterday, I would have one of every, I would have one of every stack, every team, at least maybe not the same stack, but I would have had, I would have had Kansas city. I didn't have any Kansas. I built 10 lineups. I didn't have any Kansas city. Right. But I would have some Royals, maybe two lineups. But I'd try to build the now in those Royals lineups, that could have Gray and Toussaint in it, right? That could have Gray, Toussaint, and the Reds. In a five-man Royal stack, you play like Perez and Santana and Benintendi, whoever, Toe Dozier. It's like you could you could play the chalk around that, right? You could do that, right? And then you go to the next lineup and you go, 
How are you going to build that lineup? How are you going to build this lineup? How do you get into that line? That you get a diverse amount of lineups that all have similar projections, similar ownership, you know, sim- similar range between there. Simulated that out. One slate, your lineups show up like this, and you come in seventh place with what whatever the Cardinals stack because Toussaint got shelled. Then you simulate the next slate. And Toussaint has 37 points with 12 strikeouts. So you win, you come in, you come in 12th place with your Toussaint plus Yankees lineup. Then you simulate it again. Gray gets shelled. The Pittsburgh lineup is is in first. But luck, luck just so happens you have two Pittsburgh lineups and one of them wins. Right? Like, like you're the outcome, you're not, you're not predicting the outcome. You're looking at the probabilities of these happening and then building lineups to cater to that, right? That you get enough relative value between you and your opponents that this if things tilt this way, you have a chance to win. And if things tilt that way, you have another lineup that has a chance to win. If things tilt this, you, you could win that way. You like the combinations of, of the things that need to happen for you to win. Uh, like there's tons of them. You're not looking to, oh, I'm going to play 150 lineups and play them, play 150 Cardinals stack. I mean, you can, if you believe that that's so much higher EV than anything else, just understand if that outcome doesn't happen, you'll lose all your money. Which if you're fine with, that's fine. Then move on to the next day. Some some players do play like that with a, a lower diversification. They go, I'm going to, I'm going to take my best idea. I'm going to put it in all my lineups and then rotate around from there. And if that one thing, that thing happens, I got, I got 150 bullets to win first place. Just understand you play 150 lineups at $10 a piece. It's 1500 bucks. That strategy, a lot of times, a lot of days you're going to be losing 95% of it. If you're more diversified, the bad day will be a minus 70%. If you're even more diversified, a bad, a, 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 you may only lose 20, 20, 25% on, on a, an average day. Put in fifteen hundred, you get back eleven hundred. It's like okay, move on to tomorrow. Put in fifteen hundred, you get back thirteen hundred. It's like okay, on to tomorrow, right? But that's a matter of diversification. That's not a matter of strategy. You still need to make good lineups. As Daniel Hudgens says, if your mass entering are closer to the optimal or correct frequencies than the field, you should get more than your fair share of the prize pool on average. This is one way that MMEers win, right, with volume. Okay. But I don't, I don't play as high volume. To, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to dump in $40,000 a slate and try to eke out 4%, 3 4%. To me, it's too risky. I'm more likely. I'm more likely to win by game theory because I, as far as uh, I'm using publicly available projections. So, like, I don't know if you know if I could exploit it that way. To me, I consider my strength to be game theory. So I'm more. I'm more likely to play less lineups and make sure those lineups are significantly higher EV than my opponents, and then just just hope hope variance goes my way, right? Uh, hey Blender, are you going to discuss the new tools? Oh yeah, we got we got we got stuff in uh, Lineup HQ. We got stuff in Lineup HQ. Let's take a look. Go to Build Rules. 
you can see here we have custom rules. Okay. Custom, it's on the build rules page, build rules. Anything in the, we didn't do anything with player groups. You can list player groups now. Okay. Custom rules. You could add a custom rule. Give me lineups at least one, two positions. We're, we're going to be fixing this that you could put in all positions. So you don't have to like click through all of them. But let's say, give my lineups at most one starting pitcher who has at most 50% ownership or something like that. Like you can make rules like this. Like if this was an all, let's say there was there was an all, which there's gonna be, because that was the, my first feedback of like, well, I want it to be all the all the third base, shortstop, outfield. So let's say you want give my lineups at most two. Let's say, let's say there's three 50% owned players on the slate, 50 plus percent owned players. You're like, give my lineups at least at most two. You don't have to make a group. You don't have to go in and make a group of like, you know, well, I play these three guys together, right? Let's say there's a batter and two pitchers that are super uber owned. Burns, Bassett, and some chalk player, some batter. You don't have to worry. You don't have to make the group. Just go in here. I don't want two of... But uh, 50% on players. Or you could go in here and you go, uh, at most zero, let's say you don't want any, anyone in the player pool. And obviously you could use the minimum fantasy points threshold of five, but you could use a group like this. Give my, line, give my line, lineups at least one batter. So we just use the batters here who have at least 10 points or something like that. You, you could do any of these types that you could add more custom rules. So if you need that type of thing, and we'll start, we'll start probably adding some other stuff like salary or whatever in here, you could delete them. So if you have, you need a little bit more control that doesn't require you to necessarily make groups so let's say you go in go in now we take a look at uh the ownership like let's say you didn't want to play you know two pitchers that were over 20 you didn't want to play burns and bassett together in a lineup well you just say i don't want you don't want to play anyone that's 20 percent owned in a lineup together and then you can just make that rule you could make a rule about you know, catch, you know, you'd, it, well, you can't make that role because you're better off in a group. As far as using a catcher in a stack of a certain amount of points. Use a cat, you know, used uh, has to have at least a catcher that, you know, scores six points, which eliminates all these five point catchers, like just shortcuts on making any rule that you would want like that. There's not much more to show. I mean, just it depends on what you want to use them for. 
And I don't think they're as useful in, in baseball because most likely you're stacking and stuff. Maybe in football, maybe in basketball, like basketball, I could see when there's less correlation to worry about. Right. Give me at least one guard that has at mo that has at least, you know, a 40 point projection or something, something like that. I could see. But if you want to add, if you want to add whatever, you could add as many as you want. I'm assuming there's a, there's a limit, but for the most part, and as many as you want. Now in lineup HQ. And yes, Michael Dampier, that this is the type of direction we're going. That's an improvement. I wonder if they can adjust player groups to say, give me at most 10% Sonny Gray and Valdez. Now. Yes. I mean, you can't, can, can, can we, are they disabled? Yeah, we, we, we implemented that for a little bit and then it didn't work, didn't work well. But yes, we're gonna we're gonna be we're we're gonna be working on that. Where, whatever the developers, I don't do anything. They do something. I look at a negotiation to be this way, and then they fix it. Like that. That's typically what it is. But if you need those need those custom rules, custom build rules, whatever, there you go. Most likely in baseball, I, I don't. I'm not gonna need it. But you never know. You never know what comes up. Oh, maybe an MMA. Maybe an MMA. I may need it. So quickly, MMA, since you had UFC, whatever, whatever the number is tomorrow. Last week, if you follow, if you if you followed my advice last week, you probably did really well. I did, right? I mean, what seventeen thousand yesterday? Last week, I could I could have had the winning lineup. I mean, it was it was the exact type of lineup that I was saying, right? Yet last week, I said it's gonna it's a short slate. We have insane about of ownership coming in on this Stolsey guy. You play Gooden, the direct underdog, leverage to that, and you leave like two thousand on the table, more than two and more thousand on the table. You know what the winning lineup in the large field GPP was? It was a good lineup that left twenty six hundred on the table. So, like, if I pl- I played tons of lineups that left two thousand on the table. I just didn't happen to have one lineup, but I did win the five fifty five. So that that gave me all the money in the world. Uh, so for looking on my my cheat sheet. This is based on the ownership we have currently in uh, lineup HQ, which is is not correct. I get now that Chiesa is not going to be seventeen percent owned, right? He's more he's more likely to be double this. Chiesa is probably going to be like thirty four percent owned, but I, on the basis of using the ownership, right? I always look at like inside the distance versus the actual betting odds. Like this is the betting odds as of yesterday. The win odds, the inside the distance odds, the round one odds. So, like, to me, Menafield has the highest inside the distance, 45% owned versus Herman, who may be the lowest owned fighter on the slate. 8% owned, but he's 19% chance to win inside the distance. 33% chance of just playing out and winning the fight. 11% chance of winning in the first round. 8% is, all of these are over. So as of based on just looking at this, I'm going to be under on Menafield and over on Herman, especially Menaf- especially Menafield, his, him, him as a fighter. Either he pretty much either wins in round one or loses. Right? I mean, he's won in the second round, I guess, but he's more of a like he'll come out. He's either going to knock out in the first round or he may he may guess out. 
But as of now, that's like the biggest leverage play on the slate. And it's positive EV. I mean, look, it's all green. At 8% ownership. I mean, if, it, if this ownership comes up to 17, not as, not as much anymore, right? So it's all dependent on this ownership. That's why I said, like, Chiesa right now would be an amazing play. But I think he's going to be more like 34% owned, right? And then it's just like, eh. <laughs> right? So looking at this, like even like Simmons against Munoz, even though I'm probably going to play a plenty of Munoz, right? Aldo, no one's going to play Aldo. At 8,600, like from a scoring perspective, he's he's not a good player to play at 8,600. But if he's only going to be 12 percent owned, I guess I'm going to have a lot of Jose Aldo, right? <laughs> Hopefully, he gets a you know plus four or five inside the distance. It's not good. Say for Tisha Torres, right? Like these right here in this range. Like who's going to pay 8,600, 8,700 for these inside the distance lines? 13 percent chance. 20% chance. But like if Tisha Torres is going to be 14% and Aldo is 12%, like, like Aldo is under-owned. <laughs> weird to say he's under-owned at 12%. Now, if he ends up being 20%, then, then, it's, then it's no longer that great of a play anymore, right? If Tisha Torres is down to 7%, then, oh, then I got a player, right? So really, it all depends on this ownership. These odds don't change that dramatically, right? I'll update them today, and this will be minus, instead of minus 110, it'll be minus 115. Oh, my God. Inside the distance, instead of 180, it'll be 170. It's not going to dramatically change anything. It's the ownership that matters more than anything. So this is my little cheat sheet that I use. That I put in all the odds. I put in the ownership. And I'll basically just raw tell me who's over-owned and under-owned. Give me a little color coding so I can go through and I could go, okay, okay. Got all done. Got, got, and even the people that are going to be high owned. I mean, Menafield has a 58% chance of winning inside the distance. And he's only going to be 45% owned. So I like, like, it's not like he's, he's a bad, he's that bad, right? Fiziev and Munoz up here, Gatto, even Gatto. Like all these, all these are in the, are in the green. But then we look down here and like Munoz and Hill, like if they're going to be popular underdog plays, like if Munoz against Aldo is going to be a popular underdog play, I may have barely any of them. Because he may be at 32%. I don't know if he's going to be 32%, but way over-owned. Hill, way over-owned at 24%, based on, based, just based on these odds. Even a guy like, compare Kenny and Yadon, which is that $8,200, $8,000 fight. Like based based on this ownership, if he Yadon's going to be twenty six percent, which I'm not sure. I think this will be flipped a little. But based on this ownership, Kenny would be would be much better than Yadon. Do I know anything about these fighters? Not really. I listen to some stuff. Right, we got the breakdown. We got the MMA stuff. Uh, Mike Brown, H three Buddha, Head Chopper on occasion, PSU, Sean. The, the MMA stuff. So if you want to sign up for Roto Grinders Premium, you get that too. Click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. But I don't need to know anything about the fighters. I just need to know what are the odds. These are the thing, these are the things that correlate the most to 90 plus or 100 plus point scores. The only thing, the only things that I need to highlight is if it's a main event, 
because then it gives you five rounds of scoring. So if it goes to decision, you get the X, you get more points. And that's not going to be reflected in, you know, inside the, the, you know, in these odds. And knowing what, how they, how they fight. So for instance, like Chiesa is more of a, a, a chain grappler. So even though his inside the distance is lower, in a decision, he could score 100 plus points. Aldo in a decision, I can't possibly, can, I don't know if it's possible for him to score 100 points. Right? So you kind of need, you need the stoppage. So it doesn't reflect that type of score because this has no, no bearing on how many takedowns, how many strikes, how many nothing. Just that most likely, if the if the person gets a finish, you, you it's very highly correlated with a hundred plus point score. There are only so there are very few fighters that in three rounds could put up a hundred plus point score uh, without a finish. So I need to know what those fighters are. I need to basically basically they're they're grapplers for DraftKings at least. But this but this is this is it. This this is how I won yet last week, right? I had good and buys. I. 555 lineup was contrarian you'd look at the lineup and go just like with this battery the single entry 121 because i do the same exact thing the chalk will be chalkier if menafield is going to be 45 percent in large field he may be 58 percent in the 555 which means herman may be like five percent owned and you know what i do in the 555 i play herman and then you're going to say to me well what happens if menafield goes out and gets the quick and knocks him out in three seconds. Well, then I lose. <laughs> That's it. So it has nothing to do with what happens. It's like what's what's most likely to win me first place. Like that. Can I knock out fifty to sixty percent of lineups in one in one boost and get get a five percent on fighter that has a hundred plus points? Like there you go. Like once I do that, then the what's in the rest of my lineup doesn't matter as much, right? I won the five fifty five last week with two losing fighters, okay? Just to put things into perspective of how much chalk failed last week, 250% owned fighters lost, okay? Three three out of the top four owned fighters lost. The, the low, the, the, the mispriced uh, 7K fighter lost, and the two, fed, the two biggest favorites lost, okay? My lineup in the 555 had two losses. Now, Garcia lost and put up a good amount of points, I was four and two in my lineup and I still won. Okay. Because I played the, the guy that was against one of the other 53% on fighters. I played the other guys, right? I played the guys that were against the two of the highest owned fighters. So I direct, le- direct leverage and they both scored over hundred points. One was only 11% owned in the 555 and the other was 20% owned in the 555. And then buys who was the highest scoring uh, on the slate was like that high price guy was like that Aldo like poor inside the distance like she was like like I think 15% 20% twenty. I think she was 22% it's like oh she's not going to get a finish and she had a head kick quick win bonus 138 points there you go 4 and 2 lineup winning the 555 that but you're, you're looking to win, like I, just like in baseball. When you have that type of mentality, you're looking to win low-scoring slates. You're looking to take advantage of the field's overconfidence in what's going to happen and predicting an outcome. I just look at the actual betting line. I just assume this is efficient. 
Menafield is a 58% chance. Herman has a 19% chance. He's going to be 8% owned. So play it. But, 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 no, no buts. It just, that's, if, oh, Herman has no chance of locking, like, no chance. He's at 19%. That's what plus 415 means. No chance that this would, this would be 8 million, right? If he had no chance, it would be that, right? It'd be a nine hundred plus nine hundred nine ninety nine and ninety nine. Right, he doesn't. Ten, right? Whatever it was there. Twenty percent. What was it? Four was it? Four hundred five. Four fifteen. Yeah, I'll fix it. That doesn't matter. There is a look at look at that. None, none of, right? Oh, Kowalkowitz, the walk away with a first. Like look look at this. Torres seven percent, plus twelve fifty to win inside the first round. Be like, ah, that's never happened. Seven percent. That's not never. That's like one out of every 19, 18 to 19 times. But if she's gonna be owned like at like nothing, if no one's gonna own her, take a shot. That's what expected value is. So that's what I do in MMA. Shane Newman, hey Blender, what site do you pull all the odds from again? Uh, I best fight odds, but I typically use a, uh, an offshore book. They get sharper action. Action. Pinnacle five dimes book major. I mean, you could you could do the same. You could you could do the same. You could use DraftKings sportsbook odds. You could, but understand that that, that the vig is going to be higher. Like this is this is not these are the vig odds. Not these aren't the no vig odds. You could convert them. Uh, also, I tried making a hand-making sheet, wondering how the combined leverage is calculated. It's, it's, I, I've been futzing around with it. It depends on the slate. Like what I've been trying to do is like, like on the last slate, for instance, like the reason I played buys on the last slate is because her, on a 10 fight slate, the importance of getting fighters that win go up. The larger slates, who cares if they win, if they only score 72 points? Like you, there's too many fighters on the slate that could break, that could have 190, 100 point scores. That having a winning fighter with 70 doesn't have as much value. On a 10 fight slate, it does. There's only so many fights. Nine fights, I mean, on the really small slates, you want to prioritize winning. So that's what I was trying to do. I made that last week because it was all screwing up my my numbers. It's like, because Cheyenne Buys had like the highest differential between winning and ownership but had a very low inside the distance. So like if I was to add them all up together, like it came out to a pretty low number. So I'm like, I need to be able to weight the winning leverage differently depending on the size of the slate. So that's what I tried doing. So now I, I made it divide. I mean, this, this, is, this, is not a, this is not a good formula. Don't go by this. This just gives me a, a way to just at least like kind of rank them. So I like how I them. So multiply the, the inside the distance by one and a half, multiply the round one by two and divide the win by four. And I think like, like last week, I was like dividing the win by like nothing, by one, because because if you could do this, if I do just by one and I copy, and I paste, paste special, is formula only, right? It'll, it, it'll make the fighters that have higher 
win leverage, even better plays. But I don't want that. I'm like Jose, Jose Aldo would be a you know great play. I'm not saying he isn't because if he's only going to be 12% owned, but I'm not as concerned about them win like Torres, Aldo, Kowalkovich, whatever, however you pronounce their name, Herman, like win. It's a 13 fight slate. There's 26 fighters. Like I care a lot more about them putting up finishing non-decision. So I'm going to divide that win by, by a lot more. So it's not weighted as much, right? So you go, you copy this, paste it, paste special, paste formula. So these numbers go to the guy, right? Torres, Aldo, like don't rank as well as, as John's for instance, like John's or Gatto, right? You look at Torres, Torres is high, much higher win leverage, but barely anything. I mean, she's not plus 645 to win inside the distance, right? So yeah, she's still, you know, she gets a lot of value from winning at 8,700, but I'd still probably play, you know, Gatto, Johns, Munoz, Fiziev above above her. This is not, this is not, there's no technical, there's no scientific notion in this. Just allows it, all it is is a cheat sheet. I'm not, I'm not like, oh, now you add up the numbers and then you play the lineups with these numbers. Like, no, I'm not doing that. That's why it's like, to me, this isn't a model. This is more of a cheat sheet. And then obviously the ownership, it all depends on what you project the ownership to be. That's why I said like, Chies is not 17%. But this is initial, this is initial ownership from Roto Grinders from yesterday. This will change. And also I'll, I'll, I will make manual changes as well. So if you wanna play MMA, it's, it's easy. MMA is easy. There's not much to think about. You're playing six fighters and you don't play fighters against each other. And there you go, done. Get six, six winners that score hundred points. Most likely, uh, most likely you're gonna win a lot. Most likely you do well. And if, if I'm not gonna win, well, you might as well win, right? You might as well win. I always root for myself first. That's 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 the rule. I root for myself first, and then root for you guys second. And it depends on how many lineups I have. If I have ten lineups, and I'm rooting for you eleventh, right? Because I want my all my I want first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. Then you can come in eleventh, right? So after all my lineups, okay. If I have 150 lineups, you're probably not going to be profitable. So I wanted to come in first through 150th place, and then you could have 151st place. All to yourselves. All to yourselves, but if you want, uh, if you want uh, advice and everything about uh, today's slate, we got Grinders Live. Grinders Live coming up at five thirty Eastern crunch time for premium members at six thirty. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium and uh, get uh, get ten dollars off your first month. Uh, obviously, sign up for uh, for if you want to get theoryofdfs.com. That's my fifteen hour. Audio DFS Masterclass. That's all these concepts in it already, right? I'm not saying anything that's new, right? It's all in there. Structured education, 12 chapters, 15 hours, theoryofdfs.com. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, maybe Let's go back to back. My M- I, MMA has been saving my MLB this past month. I would have never thought that that, that would it would have been based on last year, right? So I started playing MMA during the COVID came and they were playing on Fight Island. There's no sports. I'll try MMA. And I was using, kind of using 
this process, but not, <coughs> not anywhere as precise. And, uh, and the chalk was just hitting, right? Chalk, chalk, chalk. And I'm like, is this ever, is this ever going to work? Is this ever going to work? So I, I, I would have not expected based on, based on the beginning that my MMA results uh, the past month or so is just that that's what's holding me up. That's what's saving me from, from MLB because MLB, I'm just steak knives after steak knives after steak knives, but that's the way it is. That's GPP. That's the way it is. Ups and downs in GPP. So hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live uh, later today. And uh, I will see you. I will see you the next week because I'm, I'm always here. This is what I do. This is what I do. Answer your DFS strategy questions on uh, on the DFS pregame show here on RotoGrinders.com.